Hi, welcome back to Reshift, experiencing single-minded, a Christian singles community. It's been such a great journey of different episodes as we have explored different words that begin with the prefix re. That short prefix re has so many different meanings because it reminds you of going back, making something anew, um, doing something all over again. And when you add the prefix re to a word, it just brings up a whole nother world. When we explore each and every single episode, a different word that begins with the prefix re, it's just been so amazing to hear all the guests share their testimony and share how um, that specific word has touched their life. Today, we have a powerful story to share um, with my beautiful, wonderful sister in Christ, Elaine Beatty. Welcome. Wow. Hello. Thank you. Great introduction. Oh, thank you. Thank you for being our guest. And I'm so excited that you agreed to open up your heart and share your story. Thank you. Um, yeah, I, um, I'm, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you very much. So um, throughout the different episodes, we have um, visited different words such as reshift, reset, recalibrate, rewire, rebuild, reclaim, reinforce, recapture, release. And today we're going to talk about remember. Remember mm -hmm. is such a powerful word because um, it's all about um, the definition is have in or be able to bring one's mind and awareness of someone or something that has that one has seen, known or experienced in the past. The beautiful thing is, as we look back and we remember moments of our lives, we usually remember those moments that has some spiritual connection, a big suddenly when something changed or flipped, or a moment that all of a sudden just puncture our hearts so deeply that we can never forget. And so, Elaine, let's dig back into your past. And why don't you share um, with us a little bit more about yourself? Um, well, that word suddenly, I'm going to come back to that. Um, well, thank you, Marilyn. Um, I am the youngest of five kids, and we are all pretty close in age. And like a lot of, of kids, at least in this generation, I come from a broken home where my parents divorced when I was very young, um, very young. And um, my mom was a, a single parent, primarily, you know, working as hard as she could to support us. And um, my dad didn't... Um, he wasn't as actively involved in our lives. It's not to say he wasn't there, um, but he he didn't have a, a real structured presence. And um, I, again, most of my friends had the same thing where they were from broken homes too. Um, but but being the youngest, I had the the shortest recollection of having my dad ever around the house, and so I really didn't have good role modeling. I didn't have role modeling of healthy male-female relationships. I didn't have role modeling of a father-daughter um, role. And so I, I, I was operating without, let's put it that way. Um, I, and also being the youngest of five, I, had, I followed four really exceptional um, people, kids that were older than me that were very accomplished academically sports. They just, they were, they did everything right. And, um, 
I was just kind of tagging along at the bottom or at the end. And not to say that I had any shortcomings as far as what I was given opportunities to do, but um, it it definitely took an effect on me. And as I hit those teenage years when, you know, teenage rebellion, uh, boy, isn't that the case here? um, I kind of went off on a, a path that was not a good path. Um, got hooked up with some friends that were, um, not the ones that were excelling in school or the ones involved with churches or healthy academics, I mean, excuse, athletics. Um, but the kids that didn't really want to go to school, wanted to party, wanted to hang out and really didn't have positive goals in their life at all. And, um, I kept continuing down that path and I know, you know, my parents, my mom was tired um, raising us five kids primarily on our own in a small home. Um, my dad was not as present and really didn't know exactly what to do to even get present at that point by the time I was a teenager. Um, and I really went off and decided to just ignore everything and everyone except for myself. I I just was serving myself. Um, I had, um, really just decided I didn't want to go to school anymore. Uh, I just, it, it wasn't, it wasn't part of my plan. And when you say suddenly, it is suddenly, um, the Lord got my attention. Let me put it that way. Um, because in a very short period of time, I took some really aggressive steps down that wrong path where I quit school, quit my job and was out partying with my friends. And I was in a very serious automobile accident. And, um, I, I was thrown out of a pickup truck and my world did change. Um, when, um, I was first taken to the hospital, of course, I was saying, just take me home, just take me home. At least that's what they told me. I said, and I think that's kind of common. Um, but it, uh, led to two weeks in intensive care where I was really, um, because of the trauma to my head. I was in medically um, induced coma or they kept me really doped up. Let's put it that way. And painkillers too, because there'd been a lot of damage done. Um, But when I think about, you know, some of the um, stories in the Bible, I think of Saul, how he certainly was knocked to the ground (laughs) with the bright light when God wanted his attention. And interestingly, when he was, um, he got up off of his feet, he, he was blind. And the similarities for me was that the injury to one of the, the, the skull injuries that I had was that it smashed the orbital around my eye and tore the optic nerve. And so I had one eye that was visibly, or all intents and purposes, just keeping a placeholder. And at the ER, they said, she'll never be able to see out of it. Just go ahead and let's take it out. Um, but but that did that isn't what happened. But I guess the similarities of being blinded, um, and from there it was a track of um, needing a lot of therapy. A lot of things happened medically, and then the relationships too within my family um, that had been destroyed or even hadn't been built, hadn't really been created. Um, the journey back to where I am now is just a marvelous work of the Lord because it's a God thing. There's, there's no other way to describe it. So I, 
Interesting. So when you were at the hospital and after you had been sedated, you you mentioned earlier um, to me, um, previous this um, podcast, that you were in a cast. And I'm thinking during that time, you had a lot of quiet time and you mentioned soul searching. Can oh. you talk a little bit more about that? Okay. And that really is is what gets thrown into that, the long journey after I was brought out of intensive care. Um, I was in intensive care for two weeks where I really didn't know what was going on. But after that, because I had done some damage to the, the femur on my on my right leg, I was in traction. And so I was in that state for six weeks. So um, <clears throat> when you're when you're in traction, you, you really can't get up. You don't get up from the bed. You don't, you don't go around. So it did leave a lot of time for soul searching and um, self-discovery and healing, of course, physically. Um, and as I was there a long time, I got to know the nurses really well. And of course, surgeons would come in and see me every morning, Monday through Friday. But I also got to meet or hear and, and, and um, learn about other people that were in the, the wing that I was in. And um, their stories were wide range. You know, mine, mine had happened because of my choice to be irresponsible. But there were, I had a, um, a roommate who had childhood leukemia. I had other people that I met um, who were there because of things that had happened that were completely out of their control. And it did start me on a, on a thought really deep about, why was I still here? Why did God save me from that accident? Um, you know, the, I really probably should not have survived. Um, all the odds would have said I wouldn't have given how I was thrown and how I ended up under the truck um, rather than to the side of the truck when they had come, uh, when, when the first responders arrived and the damage that had been done um, to my, to my body and to my head. Um, that it it did start that questioning of why why did God keep me here? Mm-hmm. It's such a interesting thing because God keeps you know you said He got your attention, and now when you were in these um, in this moment, like God has our attention right now. What's happening with the coronavirus? It's gathering the attention of the people. And people are soul searching within themselves what's going to happen next. And they're actually forming better relationships with those that are around them. You're getting to know your children better. You're getting to know your spouse. If you're single and have no one living in your home, you're reaching out to people more regularly and getting to know people. Um, And it seems like that's what um, the Lord provided for you then during that time of tragedy, right? Yeah, you're yeah, you're right. Because, you know, when you're on that fast pace and when you're slowed down where it's like, stop, no, no, the life that you were leading is not going to continue. You're in pause. And that pause is an opportunity to either use it and, and let, let the Lord in and really let him do the healing that only he can do um, for, for the brokenness that I had. And help me correct my course, because my course was headed down the wrong direction. So let's talk, uh, let's talk more about um, the restoration period with your family, um, especially the one with your father. I think um, during this time, um, we can listen to a story of a daughter 
and a father and think about our own relationship with our heavenly father. But go ahead, share the story. No, that's, and how you say heavenly father, that's just a perfect feed into this because, um, you know, when my dad left, I was three, this accident happened when I was 17. So I had 14 years of, of growing up without the presence of a dad, not that he wasn't there at all, but not, not in a, in a, um, not in a good and, and yeah, not as much, not as much as he should have been. Um, and even he will say that I, I say that without any, um, hesitation. Um, and because of this accident, I then was going to have to be, I was leaving the hospital, but I still had to be in a cast to allow the bone to heal because traction had kept it from healing and then they pinned it and it's now time for it to heal. And so I was in a cast and I went to live with my dad and I was very limited on what I could do. My mobility was, was very limited. And that's when we had a lot of time together. And, um, I, I, you know, I'm very grateful that my dad, um, put in the time because I was not a pleasant child at that time, believe me. And, um, I wasn't, um, to the point where I felt like, um, I let's, Hey dad, let's sit down, let's work it out as adults kind of thing. I was still a very, I was a child. I was still a child. And, um, it started a, um, or like a rebirth of a relationship with my dad, because what I had known from the time I came home from my hospital had been just been on pause and all the negatives had, had filled in the gaps until that time when my dad and I were able to really start building a relationship. And we had some very serious discussions through my own personal therapy where I had to ask him why, you know, why wasn't he there and why, why did things happen the way they did? And, you know, it's so interesting because even though when he explained some of the things about what he was going through when he was a child married to my mother, um, even though it didn't change a thing, just hearing him say that he was sorry was was the thing that broke the wall. I mean, that was the icebreaker. It, it all made things okay um, in my heart. And we started building a relationship that is has just been so valuable to me. And I thank him regularly <laughs> because he is still alive. Um, I'm 56 now, so we've had almost 20 years or 40 years, excuse me, of, of building a very valuable relationship, at least to me and to him, to him too. And as I've talked to him, I've in my older age, had greater appreciation for all that he did do when it was at this critical time in my life that, you know, the ER doctor saying she, she's not going to be able to see out of this eye. Why don't we just remove it? She can have, you know, something put in there afterwards. And my dad said, no, I want the best. I want the best surgeon. I want the best um, optic um, physician to come in and, and, and see what he can do. And because the, it, they did leave my eye in, reconnect the nerve, I, I'm able to see now. And that was because of the decision he made to not give up on me back then. And it's very similar to our Lord that it's he doesn't give up on us. And um, what I've been able to do after being so mean <laughs> and at times being rather you know hateful as a child, acting on my hurt, verbally towards my father. Um, he never responded that way. He always um, 
showed his love for me and um, his willingness to um, to be there and to to not leave my side. That is so precious. Um, our Heavenly Father doesn't leave us or forsake us. Um, now, I want you to, uh, what was, I know that what broke the wall was your father um, saying that he was sorry, but there was another yeah. turning point that happened on your end. Um, what happened to you when you realized you had to be responsible for your own doings? What happened? Well, I mean, for so very long, you know, I saw that what I had done just really um, was a huge, it had a huge impact on my entire family. I mean, all of us, um, you know, here, here I am, look what Elaine did, but um, what it did to all the relationships. And, um, and it's inter- it's kind of funny, again, with, with age comes maturity sometimes, right? Wisdom, I guess. But um, it hasn't been that long ago um, that I was in a conversation with my dad where it came up of what had happened so many years ago. And he remembers the concept. And I remember that, too, very, very clearly. Um, and there was a question of, you know, would you do it differently? And I said, you know, I would never feel that I needed to change things so that I would not be hurt or that I, that, that would change the effect it had on me. But if there's, if there was ever any way that I could take back all the hurt that I caused my dad, my mom, my family, I would do that in a minute, in a minute. And my dad's comment was, Aileen, I don't even remember. That was, um, that phrase was so powerful to me because it is like the Lord. It's the closest thing, you know, my earthly father to my heavenly father that I, he doesn't remember. That is so special because um, I, I read Hebrew, Hebrews 8.12 and it says, I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. I'll repeat that. <sighs> Hebrews 8:12 for I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. And how powerful that even as we're studying and and looking back at the past to remember what you've gone through, um you have a story it goes hand in hand to remember something and not remember and both are equally important. And your father chose not to remember, and he allowed that elimination of maybe the sad feelings, hurt feelings, or bitter. He set them aside, and that's what helped build your relationship. Um, and that's what um, Christ does for us. He doesn't remember our sins; um, he forgives us. And we just, um, you know, being in April, uh, going through Resurrection Sunday, and just remembering, wow. He had to face Friday in order to come to that Sunday to to resurrect all for our sins. And yet our Heavenly Father does that. He allows us to experience that with our own parents at times. And so you have that blessing. Um, There's there's another Bible verse, James 5.20. It says, remember this. So talk about remembering no more. And then all of a sudden... It's a command to remember whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover a multitudes of sins. And 
what's interesting about that is um, James was the little brother, half brother of Jesus, and he didn't believe until Jesus resurrected again. How powerful that was that now as he's writing this and this word becomes inspired scripture for our daily light as we dig into God's word, here James probably remembered what he did to his brother. Maybe, you know, as the you were the little brother of five, James was the younger brother of Jesus. There was moments that he probably said things verbally to his brother and that experience, but then Jesus appeared to him after he resurrected. He knew his brother had died and he saw him resurrected and it changed his life. And I'm sure the Bible doesn't go into detail about that relationship, but I'm pretty sure there was moments where James was like, Jesus, I am so sorry. And you had that moment with your father where you were able to apologize. And he told you, I don't remember anymore. And so yeah. let's talk a little bit about the difference between guilt and conviction. I believe that guilt come it's something that the enemy uses and it brings us shame. But conviction is something that the Holy Spirit brings us to help build us and lift us up. Um, let's talk about your situation. When it came to guilt, what were the feelings that you were feeling? Versus come a conviction later on that you really learned from it. Um, the whole thing about guilt is, you know, again, I was very self-serving at the time that the, the guilt wouldn't even, didn't even cross my mind. Um, but after the fact, um, I did feel a sense of guilt for the the relationships that and 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 things that happened after that um you know was it my fault because of this accident had i done things differently would that have maybe prevented by my mom's second marriage failed um and i don't know how, how much my um the event that i had really played any role in that at all but um i, I will say that I have seen it, maybe it's right or maybe it's wrong, but I've seen it more from a perspective of, I, I was a hurting child. I was a, a hurting person. I was broken. And what I did was mostly damaging to myself physically, that I have the scars. I see the scars. And um, so my my brokenness inside, I then wore on my outside too. Um, as far as um, guilt, I, I still feel bad for the words that I said because they're hurtful. They're, they were hurtful. Um, I heard that when I was under a lot of sedation, I was just saying hateful things about my dad when he was standing there. And I, I mean, I don't remember them, but I, I do believe what I was told. And th that was wrong. I mean, it, it was wrong. Um, what a beautiful, um, testimony. I love, um, revelation 12, 11. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And here you have a beautiful mm -hmm. story of, of a moment that you can remember the past. You, you know, when you got into the accident, you were remembering the brokenness and the hurtfulness and God had to allow that to reappear just so you can experience 
the redemption of it, the healing. As you were healing physically, your soul was being healed. Your spirit was being connected with your heavenly father. And I think that's special. Um, so part of your testimony, I have some little highlights here. Um, you okay. were like a, a double high school dropout. Um, okay. Well, I don't think I should put that on my resume. Or right. <laughs> but how cool. This is like, you know, when you think of someone like that and you look at your teens, don't give up on them. Because let's talk about the good part of how God redeemed you. You know, you ended up going to night school for high school. And you became, what were you awarded? I was the valedictorian of my graduating class. I was the first graduating class of Northwest High School Night School. There were 12 of us and I was the valedictorian. How cool. And then you ended up going to college. And yeah, and I really didn't know that I would do that either. And you loved, and your college experience, how did you feel? Oh my gosh. I, I would just encourage everyone to try it. And really that's the only way I did it was my oldest sister, Becky, who had just become a physical therapist, but she was studying to take the MCAT because she wanted to go on and be a doctor, which she is now. Um, she said, just, just go, just go take one semester's worth of classes, give it a try. And if you don't like it, then quit. And so I went to IUPUI um, and I loved it. I just, there was just something about the whole experience was I was with people who wanted to be there, um, taking classes. It, it was just a, a completely different environment and experience that I had versus my high school, public school. And so you continue school and you graduated and, um, the big success story is you were the vice president of many companies, a lot of financial companies. Well, you know, I, I I've been blessed, you know, with the job opportunities and the places that I've worked that I have kind of climbed a ladder of success. I guess you could say that professionally. But you know what else is interesting is that there was even a time when I was, when I, I don't know, ten years ago or so, that I thought, well, maybe I need to be an educator. Maybe I need to teach. So I went back to school and got my certification to be a secondary um, math teacher. Oh, so, that's so yeah, yeah. who quits school twice goes back and just keeps going. <laughs> it, it's so powerful. I love it. So now what I want to um, talk about is you came across single-minded oh. and you met, it was at a time of your life where you didn't have um, you were kind of starting new and you needed new friends and you found um, a group of Christians that were together, right? Trying to pursue Jesus. Tell me a little bit about that before we close. Um, that was, that's just been the best part are, are the lasting friendships that I've made. Um, yes, it's been a couple of years and I was letting go of a lot more things in my life that the seasons had ended and it was time to move. And I wasn't really sure where that move was in terms of what was I supposed to be doing and, and where was the road going to lead me other than I know it led me forward. And just by a God thing, I met just Julie Osborne and we hit it off. It was like an instant bonding of, of friends and it has grown. And through her and her involvement with ministries, 
I've met some great people and have been blessed to be a part of the core group on this single-minded where we got together and we came from different denominations. We came from different churches and we sat down and we saw that it was Julie's vision to have a group that provides a resource for, for single people who are either divorced, widowed, empty nesters, um, whatever the reason may be, but are in a middle stage of life, not in the 20s where you're planning your life. Um, and to, to bring us together as a, as a group to worship, to serve, to have fellowship, to... Um, I, I just can't say how valuable the group has been. And it, it, we we head off every day and keep doing what we do. And it's we're in search of the one. We're just in search of the one who is looking for a place to feel loved, to feel um, welcome, to feel appreciated, and have an opportunity to grow and to serve uh, a, a, in their relationship with Christ. And it's it's been the best decision I've ever made, I think. I think what's so special is that no matter, for those that are listening, no matter what your history is, you go back and you remember moments of your life, of your childhood, your teenage years, um, your young adulthoodship, and you realize, I've made some big mistakes, but Christ is there and he remembers us. He loves us and he pulls us and draws us near to him through different ways. And one of the ways to get closer is by being in fellowship with other Christian believers and let people guide you and and you start studying the Bible and growing together. And I think that's what single-minded has done for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to close with this, um, Elaine. You shared with your father about what was happening with single-minded. Please share with us what was his um, opinion about your friends. <laughs> Oh, well, needless to say, uh, in my um, teenage years, I didn't choose the right friends. And, you know, then I made a lot of other poor choices as I was a young adult as well. But I had shared with my dad a link that was um, some of my friends from Single Minded of what they were doing now using technology to record messages and things like that. And he, he responded back, I'm so proud of you for the friends you've made. And I that you know I'm getting all teary. I'm sorry <laughs> because there's, there's nothing that can make us feel um, just great than hearing our Father, whether it's our Heavenly Father when we get up there or or when we come before Him. But to say that I'm proud of what you've done. And um, well, I am very proud yeah. of all you've done as Single Minded because you've been great in creating beautiful social moments where we can have memories that as friends we can bond and there's so many beautiful stories as people have heard throughout episode after episode what single-minded did for them how it helped heal their heart in a moment when they were walking in their journey trail and felt they were um shift aside into a messy middle and they needed traction to get back on the journey trail and at the end that journey trail leads to fulfilling our purpose, our calling. And Elaine, I believe you had a calling from way when you were young. This is all part of your beautiful story. And I appreciate oh, you sharing this with us. I, You know I'm the hugger of the group. So I'm sending you a big virtual <laughs> hug. Oh, it's been my pleasure. Keep doing the good oh. work, Marilyn. Keep doing what well, you do. 
Well, I love you very much. And I'm so glad that all of you guys have followed us now for this is episode number 10. And as you take time to remember the different episodes, or if you haven't listened to all of them, tune back to all the different words. And I promise you that with each story, you will realize or connect with how that, that word speaks to your life. God is so powerful. He does things over and over again to mend our broken hearts. Thank you for tuning in to Reshift, Experiencing Single-Minded, a Christian Singles Community. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.